0: to the Reunion Church podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com.
1: And today's teaching text comes from Matthew 5, 9. Um, and I'll read it. It's Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall call for they shall be called sons of God. Also James 3, 4 through 6 and 17 and 18. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire! And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Well, we've been on a journey this fall, seeking emotional and spiritual health and maturity. And so if you're just uh, joining us and you're wondering what we've been teaching here on Sunday mornings, um, you can catch up actually on our uh, YouTube page or our um, podcast. And the main the main thing that we really wanted to do through this series was we wanted to be helpful. We wanted to um, engage and touch the real parts of our life. And so I hope at the end of this sort of eight, nine, 10 weeks, um, you say, I'm a fuller or a, a more well-rounded person, and it's actually helping me in my relationship. So that's um, the hope. And it's sort of been interesting. I was reflecting a little bit this week. This is not my preferred way to preach, like looking at you know topical ideas, um, but it's actually been really um, helpful for me in, in saying... Um, how does the Bible touch the realities uh, of our world and our life? And I really want to mention this because normally I'd prefer to like walk through a book, and we're gonna um, at the new year we're going to be finishing the book of Mark. Um, but what I want to do um, today is I want to pull out a handful of different passages. And so we're going to be looking at a bu- bunch of different passages. If you have your Bible or you um, want to pull out your phone, um, you can be looking through those. And, and I want to say this too. The primary reason I don't want to do that is because um, to skip around all, all the time, um, is that the Bible is a story. The Bible is telling a story. It's inviting us into the story. It's captivating us, and then it changes us uh, over time. And so that's kind of the, the way we want to uh, look at the, this um, normally. Today we're going to be looking at a handful of different passages. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll settle into talking about um, becoming peacemakers. Um, and let's do that. Let's pray. And so, Father, um, I believe that you are here in this space by your Spirit. Um, I can sense um, a joyful spirit today as we sing, as we um, come to the reality of who you are, your nature and your character. I pray that um, we would have a clearer vision today of who you are and that that would really root us, God. And then out of that, I pray that we would be people um, who know um, how to do conflict well, that we would be peacemakers. And so, God, be in our midst today as we sit under your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so here's the premise that we've been working through. It is that it is not possible for a Christian to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And maybe a picture that you have of this is that maybe you grew up in a household where the negative emotions were not allowed like anger or sadness or fear, those things were simply ignored, right? Like we don't do that in our house because we're just happy here, right? We don't, we don't do the negative things. What could you possibly complain about? Just be grateful. Or maybe the, over the years, what you've actually learned about yourself is you say, you know what, I actually feel as though God has given me a servant's heart. And so what I do is I give and I give and I give. I'm so good. I just say yes all the time. And I'm such a servant. But maybe slowly but surely you're finding out about yourself that you actually have a desperate need for affirmation and approval from other people. And when you don't get that affirmation, you grow resentful and insecure. That's a picture of emotional immaturity, or maybe the picture of emotional immaturity that actually comes to mind in this sort of 2022 moment is that of of the church at large, religious leaders that uh, are in the community, and they're supposed to be people of character modeling goodness and showing forth an example of how to live, and yet it seems like every other week there's some sort of scandal that comes out about a pastor or a leader because at the very minimum they're found unteachable, defensive, an unloving spouse, or possibly worse. And so the origins of this church in this sort of 2022 moment, I believe it's actually more crucial than ever to talk about the congruence of spiritual and emotional health, that these things would be highlighted, that... You know, leaders in the church, yes, but all of us would be growing in character and integrity and in self awareness, growing in our understanding of our own limitations as people so we can do what Christine is talking about so that we can rest well and live into who God desires us to be. Because we we know the reality. We can have all the right, like, external religious behaviors. We can fast. We can come here on Sundays. We can do the daily devotionals. All good things. We can even look good doing all of these things, right? But we can still be emotional infants. And what I love about the the way I want to approach today is you you can come into this emotionally healthy spirituality journey and you can say, you know what? It's just me and God. It's me and God. I'm growing as an emotionally whole person. It's just me and God. But eventually, if that's actually true, what what begins to happen is we're actually going to give out of overflow, We're going to say, you know what, I actually understand who I am in God. I understand my limitations. I'm becoming a fuller or whole person. And what begins to happen is it pours out, hopefully, it has a positive impact on our relationships. At the root of everything is our relationships, relationships at work and relationships with our family and our friends, romantic relationships, relationships in church and in school. Everything we do is done in relationship. And so what does the emotional, um, what does emotional maturity begin to look like in a relationship? And there's a lot we could really hone in on here, but I want to talk today about what, how we become peacemakers. How do we handle conflict maturity, maturely, and how do we have safe space for conflict? And so this is going to be our pathway forward. I want to look at um, a God who's a peacemaker, like the, the, the nature and the character of God. I want to do this it feels a little bit hard, but it's good. We're going to look at like pathways of emotional health, like how that looks in our life. And then I really want to end practically today. I want to hand you two tools for your tool belt on how to do conflict. Um, And I think that would ultimately be a gift to you. So um, Matthew chapter five, let's begin here. Uh, Matthew 5, 9 says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, so they should be called sons of God. Matthew's chapter five through seven is uh, called the Sermon on the Mount, and what Jesus is doing here is he's actually um, holding up an expectation. He's saying, um, when the kingdom of God is in your midst, like that's the thing that uh, that our hearts deeply long for. When it's in your midst, um, that's where God is. Like God is where the kingdom of God is, and so he's saying, if The kingdom of god is established then you're going to be seeing these things blessed are the who the peacemakers and so if you plopped open your bible to matthew chapter 5 and uh, you started reading it would pretty much look like a series of ethical or moral teachings and it is that but it's actually more than that jesus is painting a picture of what our hearts so deeply long for that's why it says blessed are those who mourn blessed are the meek blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are those who are merciful And and blessed is, um, while it's very beautiful, um, a better translation is actually happy is. Like happy is, like this is the state of a person that actually enacts this in their life. And then notice this phrase here, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. I thought that was interesting this week. Why are peacemakers called sons of God? Well, who do sons represent? Sons represent the characteristics of their father. And so if you were to meet Russ Sr., I'm Russ Jr., uh, you might notice um, maybe we look alike or we have a similar laugh or we're both really goofy. I don't really know what you might say if you met my dad. Um, but I don't only carry my dad's name, but I actually carry with me characteristics, possibly mannerisms or personality traits of my father. And so what the passage is telling us is here's what, here's what God desires from you, to be a peacemaker why though? And it's saying because that's who God is. God is a peacemaking and peacekeeping God. And so, biblically, if God is a God of peace, um, then what we should begin to do is reflect that, right? Ephesians 2 says this, for he himself, he's talking about Jesus, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is called our our, p- our peace, but the irony is, is when you go look at the life of Jesus, what do you see in his life? You see a lot of tension and conflict and trouble throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. And I think that we, um, we would um, get a misleading picture of Jesus if we didn't acknowledge the fact that when Jesus walked around, he had conflict in his life. But what this actually does is it disrupts our, our false notions of what peace actually is. Jesus had tension with the crowds with the religious leaders, with the Romans, um, with his disciples. And so when we talk about facing conflict in a mature and healthy way, that doesn't mean running from it, right? We're not talking about, in peacemaking, we're not talking about quick solutions, we're not talking about suppressing our emotions, we're not talking about agreement on everything or uniformity, and we are most definitely not talking about continuing in an unhealthy or abusive relationships, not what we're talking about today. But what we actually need to realize is peace should be something that we so desire because this is the way of Jesus. In Matthew 10, the same book, five chapters later, we find out we should be peacemakers because God is, and then in chapter five it says this, do not think, this is Jesus, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm like, I'm trying to figure you out, Jesus. Like, What do you want from me, guy? Right? He's a polarizing figure. He, he creates tensions, but the reality of Jesus, he's actually willing to get uncomfortable for the truth. And he's not going to settle for these false notions of peace. And this type of tension and reality is valuable because this, we know, is our lived experience, Right? We know that conflict and trouble come our way. Unresolved conflicts are easily one of the greatest tensions of our day. And most of us, if we're honest, we hate them. We don't know what to do with conflict, so instead of uh, risking any more broken relationships, we actually just prefer to ignore um, difficult issues. And what Pete begins to do in Emotional Healthy Spirituality is he begins to actually delineate the emotional life of a person. And he sort of holds it up in his chapter as a sort of barometer. To, to put yourself against. And so I want to I go through these um, in order to understand how we do conflict. Um, it hurts a little. I'm just going to be very honest with you. It's the emotional infant, the emotional child, the emotional adolescence. It's 75% chance of failure. And then um, the emotional adult. And so before this comes up on the screen, I just want to challenge you very directly. Could you just be open to the truth about yourself for a minute? Could you just pause right now? It would just say, God, would you speak to us today? Would you, by your Spirit, help us face some harsh truths about who we are? Amen. All right, here we go. Emotional infant, all right? Emotional infants look for others to take care of them, have great difficulty entering into the world of others, are driven by need for instant gratification, and use others as objects to meet their needs, all right? I read this this week and I was laughing because I thought, this is a perfect description of my son, right? My son is 10 months old. He is 100. Oh, yeah, yeah, there he is. This is him yesterday. Um, I don't even know why I put that in there. I just thought it was funny. No point to it whatsoever. He's like driving this truck at the camp store at Hudson Yards. He's awesome. Um, But he's 10 months old. And so, look, he looks for other people to take care of him. He has a great difficulty entering into the world of others. He's driven by a need for instant gratification. He uses others, specifically his mother, as an object to meet his needs, right? This is okay for Luther. Luther is 10 months old, and guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to learn how to be human for the first time, right? He's wearing the most awesome outfit today. I just remembered this. He's like dressed in all Star Wars. You have to see it, it's amazing. He has like TIE fighters and X-wings all over his body. This is developmentally appropriate for Luther, but it's not okay for a 25-year-old man. Okay? Like I, I wanna I wanna push on you here. I, I know it's funny. This is not okay for an adult. And, and and much of the conflict that we see in relationship, the harm that is actually done in conflict is an in inability to grow up and not just take, take, take from people, but to actually begin to reciprocate. And that's a harsh truth. To show up and to be mature. All right? None of you are in that space, hopefully, so let's just keep going. Emotional child are content and happy as long as they receive what they want. They unravel quickly from stress, disappointment, and trials. They interpret disagreements as personal offenses, are easily hurt, complain, withdraw, manipulate, take revenge, become sarcastic when they don't get their way. Sarcasm, it's my second language. Um, Have great difficulty calmly discussing their needs and wants in a mature in loving way, what do you see? I want to empathize a little bit here. I was reading this this week, and I thought there are moments in, or maybe even seasons in my life, where um, I would say, "Hey, I'm kind of in this third or fourth category," but um, a specific conflict or a specific person can sort of draw me back into an emotional child like I feel very mature around some people but then all of a sudden there's like five people on this planet that can trigger the worst in me I think that um, as we think about this maybe what's what's actually wise is not to judge yourself but to just ask God are you, do, do you do you want to grow something in me all right next is an emotional adolescent this is, this is in the book, it's um, in, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, phenomenal um, if you, if you want to read. And the last one is like goals, all right? So emo- emotional adolescents tend to, uh, tend to often be defensive, are threatened and alarmed by criticism. Notice the wording here, we're getting a bit more mature. Keep score of what they give so they can ask for something later in return. Deal with conflict poorly often blaming, appeasing, going to a third party, pouting or ignoring the issue entirely, become preoccupied with themselves, have great difficulty truly listening to another person's pain, disappointments, or need, and are critical and judgmental. And maybe I should have said this, um, I should have shared this before, but it's easier to say, oh wow, you know what? My mom does that. My mom withdraws from conflict and conversations when things get a little tense. My roommate, my roommate has no idea how to think outside themselves, right? That's possible. That's that's fine. But let's try and stay with the person. What if we need to humble ourselves and sort of sit with some of that? The passage that comes to mind here is um, from Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So we're progressing. We're growing. Um, The biblical word for it is that we're being sanctified. We're becoming more like Jesus. Here's the last one. Emotional adults. We need to, like, all have, like, um, when we get the iPhone, like, if you have an iPhone, I don't know why you wouldn't, but, um, like, this should be the, the first note that we're handed in our iPhone, all right? It's like, you just open it up, it's like, what does it mean to be an emotional adult? You're able to ask for what you need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and honestly. Recognize, manage, and take responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings can, when under stress, state their own beliefs and values without becoming adversarial. Respect others without having to change them. Respect others without having to change them. That would have saved me so much money in therapy if I would have, like, if somebody would have said that to me at my wedding. Seven words that could have, if I would internalize. If I could have just soaked this in, I'm like, all right, give people room to make mistakes and not be perfect. Shh. Appreciate people for who they are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, not for what they give back. And then we got one more page here. Accurately assess their own limits, strengths, and weaknesses, and are able to freely discuss them with others. Are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and able to enter the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves, and have the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspectives of others. I'm telling you, that's a lot of like ideas and, and information, but I do think that if we would be open to going back to some of these things, to taking them in, to doing some evaluation, we would truly grow as people, right? I love that one. Are deeply in tune with their own emotional world and are able to enter into the feelings, needs, and concerns of others without losing themselves, right? I understand who I am and I understand who you are. There's a, there's a mutuality of respect that we're growing into. Now, before I get into these two tools that I wanna leave you with today, um, I wanna acknowledge um, family of origin makes this, um, this this journey different for, for all of us. It's possible that um, your cultural come from makes each point, each one of these points very unique um, for where you are. We don't get to just say, well, God is a peacemaking God and that's who he desires for me to be, so I'll just go out and do it. No, like this is a process and it's a journey. Um, I was thinking about my own upbringing this week and um, I'm a child of divorced parents and um, children of divorced parents actually get PhDs in peacekeeping. Not peacemaking, we get PhDs in peacekeeping, right? We function as go-between for our parents, um, and so often we feared conflict. Or we just say, you know what, I don't wanna wanna give mom or dad any more pressure, any more struggles, so I'll just, whatever's easiest. Like, I have no preference. And we actually table what's going on. And so in my family, um, I didn't know how to um, be a peacemaker or handle conflict because we didn't do conflict. We do blow-up fights. Or we sweep it under the rug. That's it. Those are the those are the two options. And so in my house, those are the options: peacekeeping. All right, sorry. Those are the two options: peacekeeping and peacemaking. But we we only opted for the peacekeeping route. And I want to validate that for us because some of us actually um, don't want to push into conflict conflict because we actually fear rejection. We're not. We actually don't want to do the conflict because we're afraid of losing the relationship altogether. And that is very very real. Okay, and so I don't want to I don't want to get into these tools and be like, here's how to fix that. Right. I I, I don't know how to fix that for you. In fact, the other thing I was thinking about this week is um, back in 2020, um, I was sitting outside in a cafe and I was I was reading and I started texting my uh, my best friend. And, you know, how are you? What's new? And I don't know if you guys remember 2020, but there's like a lot going on in our world. Um, COVID protests after the murder of George Floyd. We start texting about all these things. Um, fiscal ideologies, politics. It was just like a, it was a doozy of a, of a text feed, right? I should have, like, screenshot it and saved it. But I grew up with this friend, and I knew... I knew, like, hey, we, we diverge on a lot of, uh, of topics, um, but we just keep texting, and we realize that this um, gap is widening. And here I am on a, in a text format. I don't think... It's so, sort of funny to me now, because, like, text is probably the worst format for something like this. An email would have been better, you know? Um, but we started... Um, we started having this this conflict in in this conversation. And um, I knew it mattered a lot to me because I was actually reacting bodily. Like I started sweating and I'm getting frustrated, body temperature's rising, I'm like taking my jacket off. And instead of acting like a mature adult, like here I am a child, right? Interpreting disagreements as personal offenses and I'm threatened and alarmed by criticism. And so here I am, like, oh, we're, we're going for this. So I'm sitting outside of this cafe, and, like, I put my book down, I take out my computer, and I'm just, like, I start sending him articles and charts and graphs and peer-reviewed studies, and, like, all kinds of information that prove my point. And then we knew it got really bad because we started, like, screenshotting our conversation and sending it to other friends to be, like, look, I'm right, you know, like, affirm me. And then it spiraled into some, like, name-calling, and, like, it's fine. We're best friends still. So don't worry about it. But um, I'm embarrassed because... We lost sight of our friendship. We lost sight of our relationship. We actually lost sight of who we were. And this is the thing that James is describing. Look at the ships also, though they are so large are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member or a text. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Okay, James. It's a lot, you know. But, wow, tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. In that one hour with my friend, I would have rather been right than be his friend. And did I make some valid points? Yeah. Did he make a couple? Yeah, he did, all right? But, and, 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 and quite frankly, does the truth matter? Like, right, is, there, is there matters of right and wrong truth in there? There is. That matters. But it wasn't the setting for a conversation like this, and we know those moments where it's just inside of us, it's boiling up, and it's going to come out in the wrong way. It wasn't the right setting. So let me give you two, two tools that I wish I would have had in this moment, in this time, that maybe I would have done the conversation a little bit differently. And um, these two tools are really rooted in this passage in James chapter 3, verse 17. I want to read this. this is, I want this to root us. But the wisdom from above, right, we're taking in from God and we're, we're overflowing, right? It's, it's pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace i love that open to reason too all right so here's the first tool clarify your expectations clarify your expectations unmet and unclear expectations are one of the biggest causes of frustration sadness and almost every negative emotion you can think of Couples split over unmet expectations. Churches split over unmet expectations. Families stop talking to each other, people quit jobs, holidays are ruined, all because of unclear and unmet expectations. And I think the biggest killer for, specifically in romantic relationships, is two parties operating on a different set of uncommunicated expectations. And what do we end up doing? blaming the other person when the real problem is your unmet and unclear expectations. So I'm going to give you four here. The problem with expectations, the first one is unconscious. This is when you have an expectation that someone will do uh, something and that they should do something and you didn't even know that you had that expectation for them until they let you down. Imagine it like this. Say you're uh, a big gift giver and it's Christmas and you're like, You're so thoughtful. It's July, and you're like, I'm shopping for Christmas, right? Like October 30th, 30th, like whatever. You're you're done at this point because you love Christmas, all right? So you go out, and you got this person a gift, and you're like, they are going to love this. I didn't just like order it off their list. I thought about them. I spent so much time doing this. And then on Christmas, you give them that gift, and the room is like, wow, that was amazing. That was thoughtful. I cannot believe that they gave them that gift. And then it's time for you to open the gift from them, and you open it up, and you're like, "Wow, a Subway gift card that they picked up at Dwayne Reed on the way over, right?" You're disappointed, not because they did anything wrong per se. I mean, (laughs) Subway, you know, it could have been a little bit better, but like, you unconsciously expected that if you gave them a nice gift, you might get a nice gift in return, right? That is an unconscious expectation, and if we don't realize that we have these, then we are going to be disappointed. And let down not only are uh, expectations unconscious sometimes they're also unrealistic uh, last uh, last year after our son was born uh, we were able to go visit our family um, in Arizona and traveling with two kids it's really really fun and so um, we're making plans and I'm talking to my mom and my dad and my sister and everybody wants us to stay with them and I'm like no like we're we're not doing this like house rotating every and so all of them are saying do whatever, doesn't matter to us, stay wherever, go wherever, have fun. And so I just say, okay, I'm going to stay at my sister's. Then I get the phone call. Well, why don't you stay here for two nights and then you can go there for two nights and then you can stay at your sister's for three nights. And I'm like, the peacekeeper in me is like, yeah, that's actually pretty reasonable. The growing and maturing husband in me is thinking, that's not realistic or wise for me, for Katie or my kids. And so it's an unrealistic expectation placed on me. And when we do that, it's, it's, it's I think maybe the, the thing we need to hear is, if you place unrealistic expectations on someone, it's not them that's the problem, it's actually you that's the problem. You're, you're the one with the unrealistic expectations. All right, what about this third one, let's keep going. Um, unconscious, unrealistic, what about unspoken? Not only are some expectations unconscious or unrealistic, but did you verbalize them? Like, have you said these things out loud? Your coworkers or your kids or your friends, they can't just know, right? Like, you, you, you can't, they, people are not mind readers. Have you spoken your expectations of what you want to, to see happen? And then lastly, unagreed, all right? It seems very obvious, but does the other person or did the other party actually agree to this? Is there a mutuality taking place where you say, yes, this is the expectation, right? If I go to my landlord and my rent is $2,500, and I say, well, I I think it's $500 now, right? They're never going to agree to that, right? And so it's unrealistic. Yeah, it would be almost all of those things, actually. Um, So an expectation is valid when? When is an expectation valid? It's valid when you take the on off right? So here's the last slide. Clarifying our expectations, Right? We take the unconscious ones and we make them conscious, right? Are you holding expectations in your head of someone without knowing it? Not your mom. All right, this is for you. Unrealistic to realistic. Are you, are you even being realistic with, the, with your expectations that you're placing on other people? Unspoken to communicated. Maybe there's a conversation that you need to revisit where you actually communicate, this, this was actually my expectation. And the last one, unagreed to agreed upon. Have you assumed agreement with the expectation? The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, with good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Oftentimes, it's not other people that are the problem, but it's actually our unconscious, unrealistic, unspoken, and unagreed upon expectations. Last tool. Here's a tool. It is... 48% cheesy and 100% helpful, okay? 48% cheesy, 100% helpful. It's this phrase, all right? This phrase I'm titling, this conflict will not undo us, all right? Save this, take a picture of it. It sounds so cheesy, I don't even care because I've done it, it's tested. And what this tool does is it prioritizes relationship. It says, I respect you and our relationship is more important than the conflict at hand and it gives a common language. So. Let me read this. This conflict will not undo us. The bonds that connect us in Christ are stronger than whatever divides us. This issue is important, and we will deal with it without sweeping it under the rug, but this conflict will not undo us. What are we saying here? This conflict will not undo us. The relationship that we have is safe. The bonds that connect us in Christ are stronger than whatever divides us. What what are we saying? We're saying we have a common language. We have something that unifies us in a common way. This is a language that we can meet at. This issue is important. What we have in front of us is real and valid and, and, and important to both of us, right? We will deal with it without sweeping it under the rug. We're not doing peacekeeping. We're going to actually speak our truths, and then we end with this. But this conflict will not undo us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or you you wouldn't claim that title, um, what I would invite you to do is seek a sort of common ground. If you're like, I'm not going to do this, take the principle and spit out the dumb phrase. If that's that's fine with me, I don't care at all. This is so helpful. I have legitimately um, done this um, in a conflict with somebody, a, a member at my previous church. I was I was in um, seminary, and uh, my leadership professor gave me um, this tool, and I was like, well, let's try it. What 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 could go wrong? And so. I, um, this guy approached me. Uh, we were working on a project together and he had some conflict with me. I can't exactly remember what it was. Um, I think he was, um, he didn't feel that I had his back on a project we were working on. And I had some frustrations with too about his style of communication. And so when he said, um, hey, I wanna talk to you about something, I was like, we have, there's something there. There's something, um, there's a conflict there. And so I was in this class and so I, I took these two note cards um, into my meeting. And I, I wrote this phrase on the note card and I just said, hey, you know, um, before we get started, and I put the note card in front of him, and I took mine, I was like, would you mind if I just shared something? He said, of course. And I just said this phrase, I was like, this is where I'm gonna come into this conversation. Like, this is where I'm gonna meet you, and I, if you could agree on all these phrases, then I think that we would actually have like a real common ground, and we could work through whatever it is. And I said, do you agree? And he said, yes. This conflict will not undo us. The bonds that connect us in Christ are stronger than whatever divides us. This issue is important. And we will deal with it without sweeping it under the rug. But this conflict will not undo us. And so in the conversation, we avoided personal attacks. We avoided blame shifting. And we spoke the truth in love. And we move forward on the project. We're not the best of friends. But we solved that. And I feel like we actually both have closure. And so those are just like little tools for your tool belt to figure out next time you have a conflict. You're like, what was that? that like? Guys, saying about a conflict and how to do it well, like, those are great tools. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to get the iPhone now, and it's going to come preloaded with this thing. Um, so, I want to, I want to end here. Um, next week, um, and we have a couple more weeks of EHS. Next week, uh, I want to talk about uh, a historic way of thinking about our time and our scheduling called the rule of life, um, and then the next week, we're going to do a panel um, to talk about some of our emotional health, um, I'm tired of talking about some of this stuff, and so uh, let's hear from some other people. So the band, if you guys want to come up, um, I just want to pause with just like a little bit of quiet. I want to read Ephesians 2, but primarily I want to ask this question. What is God saying to you? Like I I see heads stirring, you know, some note taking, some picture taking, like what, what is God saying to you? And I guess my question and response would be like, what will you do about it? I would just put the the ball right back in your core. Like, what is God saying? So if you want to close your eyes for a second, maybe today what you're doing is you're replaying a conflict in your head with a parent. You're thinking about a friend. Maybe that list was like a dagger, an emotional infant, a child, an adolescent, an adult. Maybe you're thinking, i got to make some changes. i got to grow up. Maybe you're excited to revisit a, a conversation. What is God saying to you? What could you do about it? And my hope is that we would actually become a community of peacemakers, diligently learning to handle conflict with care and with wisdom and with truth. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Let's pray. So, Father, I'm mindful that you face so much hostility. You face conflict. You face tension. You face the things that we know that are so tough for us, where the negative emotions rise up. You felt all those things. And yet, we can look at you and say, you are our peace. And so, God, make us a church of peacemakers. God, make us a church that's spiritually mature, emotionally mature, self-aware, growing in wisdom and truth and knowledge. And I just pray, God, that um, that would be our heartbeat. Not just good for ourselves, not just peace for ourselves, but peace for our friends for our buildings, for our city. And so we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.